Well, good morning, community of faith. I hope you are good today. Um, the morning is almost over, but our time together is not. I'm really excited about our time together today. Uh, we are in a series called Light Minded, and uh, I just wanna kind of prep you real quick. I know some of you are given light sticks. Actually, hopefully you were all given light sticks as you came in today, and we're gonna use those here in just a little bit. So you don't have to do anything with those yet. I know some of you are just like, eagerly anticipating the moment that you get to crack that open. If you already did, that's okay. There's no uh, judgment on you. Uh, we're gonna use those though. We're gonna have some fun because uh, my role has changed a lot over the last couple of years here at Community of Faith. And um, I used to spend all my time in student ministry and I loved that. And I've heard it said that you can take a student minister out of student ministry, but it's a struggle sometimes to take the student ministry out of a student minister. And so um, I like to use some object lessons sometimes. So we're gonna have some fun with those light sticks here in just a little bit. But the first thing I want you to kind of think about is um, who are some people in your life who had made an impact in your life? When you think about that, when you think about someone maybe that's made a difference for you, they've uh, done something for you or spoken something to you. But at some point there was a time where their life made an impact for you. Um, I wanna show you some people today that I believe have made an impact on many of us in the room. And I, and I wanna start with this one. This first one is someone you probably don't recognize, but I am confident today that there's a good chance that Ruth Wakefield has made an impact in your life. Why do I know that? Because Ruth Wakefield created the chocolate chip cookie. All right, so, so let me ask this question. How many of you have been impacted by Ruth Wakefield? Just raise your hands. All right, good, good. You guys are a little more awake than the 9.30 crowd was. I think everybody's, a, I don't know, it was weird. Not a lot of hands are going up. So she's made an impact on our life. We can all agree with that. What about this one? Walt Disney. All right, we're coming off of spring break. Anybody go to Walt Disney World in the last couple of weeks? All right, got a couple of hands go up. Those are the people that are broke now because they spent a time in the Magic Kingdom and uh, it's all super expensive. Uh, but Walt Disney, he went to an amusement park one time and he was kind of disgusted at how unclean it was. And he was frustrated at how mean everybody was. So he had set up this plan and this idea to create the most magical experience for every single person that ever stepped foot onto this property that he would one day call Disney. And then it continued to grow and build into movies and all sorts of things that Disney does now. Uh, but we can all agree that Walt Disney's had some sort of an impact on our life. What about this one? Henry Ford. If you drive a car, you've been impacted by Henry Ford because he had a dream, he had an opinion that he put action to that he believed every single person should be able to have their own car, their own vehicle. Otherwise, we'd be still riding horses and buggies and chariots or whatever you wanna call it to chariots. I don't know that we ever use chariots in America. What am I talking about? But you get what I'm saying. He has made an impact on our life. What about this one? Maybe a little more recent. That's Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon started in, a, started in a garage with a small business that he and his wife were gonna create to become now the richest man in the world who ships things really fast. And I, I gotta be honest, the impact that he has made in my life is actually a little bit frustrating because he has set the bar really high, fellas. I mean, your wife or significant other may ask you to do something and the delivery time on that task or that object, whatever that is, oftentimes is weeks, months, maybe even years before it's actually delivered. Jeff Bezos set the bar high and said, two days. And if you're lucky, it might be one day. And sometimes it even comes the same day. So, you know, he's made an impact in our life in some way. And the reason that I set this up this way 
today is because I believe two things are gonna happen today. Some of you are gonna leave this time that we have together and you're gonna think to yourself, well, that was, that was a really good service. Uh, the music was good. The teaching was eh, average. Um, it was just, it, it was good, good service. And you start looking forward to next week and think, okay, we'll be back again next week. And that's good. But I think some of us are gonna leave this place today after God wrecks us a little bit. God shows us something. My prayer is that we would all leave with that type of understanding or that type of experience, but to ultimately come to this place where we discover that maybe we were created for something more. Maybe we were created for more than just kind of surviving and maintaining life here in this place called earth, but that we were created on purpose for a purpose. And you may not be sure exactly what today holds, but because of what maybe is about to happen in this place today, there are people in the future who are going to be impacted because of your life, because you were created to make a difference. I want us to think about this. It's an exciting thing to think about. And as we unpack this, I believe that God wants to push us, nudge us a little bit to step into something that maybe we've never participated in before. Because this is true about every single one of us, especially in Christ. As you have uh, stepped into a relationship with Jesus, we've been in this light-minded series. This is week three. We talked about in the very beginning, Genesis chapter one, God created, he said, let there be light. And light showed up on the scene. And as light showed up, order began to take place. Function began to happen. Life started to form. 2021 years ago, Jesus arrived the light of the world, just as he was promised, exactly like he was promised. He arrived on this world. And then he said, I am the light of the world. And for many of you here today, you have had an experience. You have had a moment in your life where Jesus wasn't just some historical figure from the past, but all of a sudden you realized Jesus was for you. And what he did on the cross was done for you on your behalf, in your place you began to follow him, you began to trust him. The narrative we're about to step into today is for you. And listen, I just wanna make you comfortable if you're here today and you're like, man, I'm not, I'm not sure I've ever really stepped into that relationship with Jesus. I'm just kind of testing the waters today. Listen, you test the waters, but you keep coming back and keep testing the waters because I believe that God wants to speak something to you as well. And we're thankful that you're here. But Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount begins to speak to his followers, the most epic sermon ever preached. Jesus is speaking to his followers. And right in the middle of this, he gives this uh, charge on how we are to live. And he uses these two metaphors. And I want us to, as we dive into this, I want us to think about three words. And I want us to be able to, to explain what these three words mean by the end of this. The first one is simply this, participation. The second one is perspective. And the third one is places. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about all three of those. But what does this look like? When we think about being created to be, make, to be a difference maker, what, is, what does that look like? Well, the first thing comes down to participation. In this passage, Jesus says this in verse 13 in Matthew chapter five. He says, you are the salt of the earth. That's an important word. We're gonna, we're gonna stand on that for just a minute. But he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. That's an interesting passage. Jesus says, you are the salt it's kind of bizarre. 
And honestly, if we don't really stop and, and begin to kind of unpack this, we miss what he's saying. So we have to understand some of the context historically when Jesus said this. There's some things that are true about salt that were true about salt then that are still true about salt today, but maybe you've adjusted a little bit. But what Jesus wants us to see is he wants us to begin to recognize, listen, as you begin to follow me, you begin to trust me, you need to realize that I am calling you to live on purpose. And every single one of us desire this. We crave this. We crave to be seen as important. We crave to be seen as great. We crave to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And that's exactly what Jesus is calling us into. He's saying, I'm calling you to be salt. What does that mean? Well, salt does several things. The first thing I want us to understand is that salt is valuable. Even in this day, maybe you've heard the saying, he's not worth his weight in salt. Did you know that that comes from this historical season? He's not worth his weight in salt. What that means is, is there were Roman soldiers who, when they would uh, perform their duties and their work, they were compensated with a salarium, a salary. And their compensation came in the form of salt. Salt was valuable. And it was given to them based on how well they performed their job. So we begin to understand salt was incredibly valuable. It was used as compensation, salt money. Think about this and you begin to think, even as I'm talking now, saying that you were created for a purpose. You were made for this. You're already pushing back in your mind saying, Wes, that's probably true for most of the people in this room, but I'm not sure that that's true for me. I come from nothing. I've accomplished nothing. I don't have anything ahead of me that's anything to celebrate. I'm just average, ordinary, maybe even below average. I'm not sure that this is true for me. But right out of the gate, Jesus says, you are the salt. What he's saying is he's saying, you are valuable. You see, Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He's not asking for your abilities this morning. He's simply asking, would you be available? Can you give me your availability so that you can be salt, so that you be valuable? Sometimes we get so stuck in um, our own doom and gloom and what we've experienced. And Jesus is saying, I don't, I don't, I don't really need to know everything about your background or all the hangups that you have. I'm calling you into something new. You were created for this. You were made for this. The other thing that salt does is it preserves. Back in these days, uh, the, the people would go down to the ocean, to the sea, to the salt water, and they would collect uh, seaweed. And the seaweed had salty water in it. So they would bring that and they would use that seaweed and the salt in that seaweed to preserve their meats. This was in a day before refrigerators and electricity and Arctic and Yeti coolers. I'm not gonna make you raise your hand for which one you support because that could get ugly real fast. But there was, there was not this uh, way to preserve your food and your meats except for using salt. Salt was a preservative to preserve a meat, to prevent decay and rot. Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to be salt, to prevent decay, to pre prevent decay that the darkness of this world creates in this world. And so what he's saying is saying, you need to stand on the truth that is God's word, preserving all that is to be true in this time of struggle, in a time of darkness. I saw a quote the other day and this, this guy just made this quote and he said, you know, we live in a time where opinions are deep but thoughts are shallow. And it's because we're so desperate for truth. We're so desperate for being able to find something we can stand on confidently. But I think we find that in Jesus. And Jesus is saying, continue to preserve that in this world of decay and destruction and frustration. The other thing that salt is, is salt is an antiseptic. 
It was used as an antiseptic in these days. If you, were, um, if you had some kind of wound on your arm, your leg, your body, they would oftentimes take salt and the salt would begin to catalyze the wound, catalyze the healing process. You know, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of wounds in our world. Some of them are in our own lives or in the lives of those closest to us. And what Jesus is calling us to is saying, you are the salt of the world. He wants to use you as a catalyst to healing in the lives of those around you. He's saying, I'm calling you to do this. I'm calling you to live this out. I'm calling you into participation. He's inviting us into this participation of being salt on the earth. That's what salt is. It's the participation of what Jesus is calling us into. He also says, salt is also something that enhances the flavor. It brings flavor. So as we participate, we're bringing flavor in the lives of those around us. Just this last week, my wife and I went out on a long overdue date and uh, we went to a a decent steakhouse and I sat down. I was excited about having a good steak because when you go to a restaurant, you just can't cook them like that very often at home. Or maybe you can and I can't and I just need to up my game. Uh, We can talk about that later. You can give me all the tips you want and I will take them and try to apply them. But I went to this restaurant and I sat down. I was so excited about this steak. Ordered it medium rare, because if you order anything more than that, you're not doing it right. Um, I do have that much knowledge about steaks. I sit down and I cut into the steak and I start eating it. And I was kind of disappointed. It was kind of bland. I told my wife, I was like, it's just not really what I thought it was going to be. It's kind of, it's just okay. She's like, well, put some salt on it. So I grabbed the salt shaker and I put some salt on it. And immediately I began to taste more of the flavor from the steak. Salt enhances, salt brings flavor. Jesus is calling us to do exactly that. That's our purpose. And when we fail to recognize that as our purpose, what Jesus is saying is that we become useless. So he's calling us into something intentional. He's calling us into something big, something important. So think about that. Does your life bring flavor? Does your life bring enhancement in the lives of those around you? When you're hanging out with people and then you leave, what is the taste that is left in everyone's mouth because they've been in your presence? They've been around you. They spent time with you. Are you bland and boring or do you bring life? And I'm not saying that in any kind of condemnation or judgment because listen, as I've been preparing for today, God has been smacking me upside the head with all of this. So I'm speaking to myself this morning. So don't hear this as a reprimand. I'm just looking at the words that Jesus says. He's calling us in to participate in something and understanding the weight here. You and I were made for this. As Jesus followers, we were created specifically for this. And when we fail to understand it, it can be destructive. You know, it was believed that there were times where crops were planted and salt would make make its way into the soil and the salt would actually become poisonous because the salinity was too high. And it was destructive. It wasn't operating in its purpose and its function. And sometimes in the church, we as humans can misinterpret what we're called to do. And we've actually become destructive. And some of you, even today, maybe you have felt that from the church. You have felt the destruction from someone who was in the church, but there's been some hurt or some frustration or some confusion that that's caused in your life. Can I just say kind of on behalf of the church, and I'm not just talking community of faith, the church as a whole, around the world, I'm sorry that that has happened. But I think it's why it's so important that we understand today that when we become the salt of the earth, we're not saying, hey, look at us. 
We're not the church saying, hey, look at our good deeds. Look at what we're doing. We're amazing. And what we're doing is we're saying, hey, we wanna serve. We wanna be salt because we want you to see our Jesus. We want you to see our God because there's really not anything about us that makes us great. We need a lot of grace. We need a lot of accountability. And we fail to realize that it can get ugly. So he's calling us to participate in something. If salt is what we do, then light is what we produce. Salt is the participation and light is the perspective. Look at this next verse in verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Jesus says, you are the light on the earth. And then he says, you are the light of the world. So he's calling us to be salty and lit. And it may not be the kind of salty or lit that first comes to your mind, but he's calling us to be on purpose, to be salt and to be light. If salt is what we do, then light is what we produce. Light is the result. What is that result? It's a new perspective. So we're called into to participate, but we're also called to think about perspective. Because here's what begins to happen is you and I begin to let the salt out. We begin to, to bring salt to the earth. People begin to see differently. They begin to see our God differently. Their perspective of a heavenly father, their perspective of a savior named Jesus begins to come into focus better. And they have a new perspective on who Jesus is. But first we've got to participate. And then as we participate, light begins to shine from our lives. There's some important things we need to remember about light. Light is life-giving. I mean, think photosynthesis for a second. Let's go back to science class. What is photosynthesis? Photosynthesis is where the, the sun rays from the sun will meet the plant. And as it's um, making contact with the plant, it begins to convert water and minerals and, and all the things that come together in a plant. And it creates something productive, something valuable, something healthy that brings life. Light is life giving. Jesus is calling us into this. I love evaluation. I love to think about, well, how am I doing? That's why I like scoreboards. That's probably why I'm competitive. But this is an opportunity for us to evaluate how much light is shining from your life, how much light is shining from our lives, from our community of faith. Are we bringing life into the world around us? You know, I have a tendency. Um, I don't know if you're an Enneagram fan. I know some are, some aren't, and they're usually extreme opinions on both sides. I'm an Enneagram one, which means that I have a tendency to be critical of myself and of other people and of all things. And when that gets really unhealthy, I can become so focused on the criticism that I fail to recognize anything that's good. I mean, we kind of have a natural tendency to navigate to the negative. So what would it look like to be intentional about not navigating to the negative and being intentional to focus on the positive, to bring encouragement, to speak and celebrate the good and the, the, the healthy things in the lives of those around us. Saying to people, hey, this, I, I love you. I care about you. This is what I appreciate about you. What if we did that with our family, with our, with our spouses, with our kids, with our friends, with our neighbors? Speaking life, not only is life light, life-giving, light is invasive. Anywhere that light is, it begins to push back the darkness. Light invades the darkness. And I think Jesus wants us to recognize this. He wants us to see this. You know, in this day and age, when this was written, Jesus was writing to a group of people who had no electricity. They didn't have light bulbs. They didn't have light in their homes unless it was lit on a candle. 
couple weeks ago, we didn't really know what that was like. And then some guy at ERCOT decided to turn the power out. And we all got to experience life in the dark. You know, what's interesting is I think back to that. I mean, you can think they're with me. What was the result of that? A lot of damage, a lot of destruction, fear, uncertainty. It's cold, nothing's warm. You see, Jesus is calling us as he, as we begin to be salt on the earth, his light begins to shine through us. And as his light shines through us, it becomes invasive in the world around us. Even the smallest candle can be seen from miles away. So how can we be intentional in this? How can we begin to kind of apply this this invasive mentality of light? Well, instead of as Jesus followers falling for the lie that we're to gather together like this, like a bunch of lights and let our light shine in this place, we're to leave this place because what happens here was never intended to stay here and we're to go out and invade the darkness. But I think sometimes we believe the lie that the darkness is invading us but darkness has no power over light. And if he's called us to be light, he's calling us to invade the darkness. That sounds really aggressive and that sounds really mean. Like I need weapons and bayonets and rifles and armies, but you don't. You really just need your hands, your feet, your voice, your ears. What would it look like to begin to genuinely become more interested in the people around you? What would it look like to just begin to meet your neighbors, to learn their names, to learn their kids' names, to find out the things that interest them. This is one of the ways that I believe we begin to shine the light in the darkness. Maybe it's buying the meal of someone in the line behind you at the fast food restaurant. Maybe it's going to a restaurant and getting to know the server. And as you get to know the server, you leave a big fat tip. I waited tables at Cracker Barrel for a few months. It was my very first job ever in college. You know what the worst day of the week to work was as a waiter? Sunday. Sunday specifically right after church. It was bizarre to me. After growing up in church, I was, I was so disappointed, I think, that the church people always seem to be the least generous people. God's calling us to be light. What would it look like to smile more? I was reading a book by Dale Carnegie several weeks ago and he said, a smile is sunlight to the sad. And then he went on to say, and he said, a smile is daylight to the discouraged. You see this, like just a smile more. You know, one of the benefits of last year um, being shut down was we all learned how to use Zoom. And you're like, Wes, there's nothing beneficial about it. I hate Zoom and I'm mad at you for even bringing it up. But let me just think, for me, it was valuable because it did this for me. I started finding myself in Zoom meetings on Zoom calls. And I realized something about myself. I look grumpy all the time. Immediately, I was like, why do I, why, why am I like this? Why do I have any friends? Like, why do people even talk to me? Like, I, I've got to start smiling more. I've got to be more intentional just to simply smile. There's power in a smile. Oftentimes what we do in our natural tendency is if somebody's approaching us that we're not super familiar with, we either grab our phone and think that, oh gosh, I got to read that important email right now. Or we just look down and hope that they don't notice us. But what would it look like to raise our eyes up? to be light, to see people, to smile at people, to learn their names. You know, there's so much value in knowing someone's name. I was reading this week and this writer said this, he said, remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. What would it look like to be intentional, to be invasive in the darkness? 
Not for our own benefit, not so that we can say, look at us, we're awesome, but so that we can say, hey, listen, I've found something that has given me life. And so I wanna let this salt out of my life so that Jesus can shine through me and I can be a light in the world around me to those closest to me, to those that I come in contact with. What would that look like for us? The other thing that light does is light guides. You know, walking in the dark is painful. It hurts. Just a couple weeks ago, I got up. I'm an early morning person. I love to get up before the sun comes up and while everybody else is still asleep. And I got up in my normal routine. I walk into the bathroom. You do the same thing. Don't judge me. Um, I walk into the bathroom and somebody left the door halfway closed. It's never like that. It's always open all the way. But some little angry elf in my house somewhere in the middle of the night decided, hey, Wes is gonna come in here. I'm gonna move this door a little bit. And the result of that was my little baby toe kicked that door. And I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you yelled the loudest silent yell ever. You could feel your heart pounding in your toe. That's what it was like. It was painful. It, it bruised. It was, it was, it was uncomfortable. Because walking in the dark is dangerous. There's obstacles. There's pain. See, Jesus is calling us into something. And as we step into this and we begin to participate and we begin to shine a new perspective on who he is, what happens is, is the people around us begin to see differently. How they see things change. What happens is they begin to look at you and me and they begin to look at the people that say, Jesus is my everything. And they walk different. They talk different. They listen different. They serve different. They, they're, they're just different people begin to take notice and it begins to, to guide them in a different direction, guiding them away from the obstacles and the dangers that are real in this dark world. Jesus is calling us to this. He's calling us into this. He's calling us to shine bright, to be salty and to shine bright. And when we shine bright, it gives people around us a clear perspective of who Jesus is. You were made for this. I was made for this. Continues on. We go back to verse 14. He says this. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You ever thought about that? I mean, I don't know if you've ever flown in a plane, you can see the city lights for miles and miles away. Those cities were set there on purpose. There was strategic thoughts and input that went into creating cities all the way back in the day. There was reason for it. It didn't just happen by chance. It wasn't just an accident. That's what Jesus wants us to be thinking. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. As we recognize our participation and our responsibility when Jesus says, I am the light, but I am leaving, and now you are the light. And we recognize what it looks like to participate in that, and people begin to see a new perspective of who Jesus is. We have to recognize that it's supposed to be happening in the places that you and I find ourselves. So there's the participation, there's the perspective, but then there's also the places. The places are important. You have found yourself in the places and spaces in your life with the people around you on purpose. It wasn't an accident. Just like a city is set up in a specific place, a specific location to operate at its best, just like a candle in this day was lit and put into a house so that the entire house could be illuminated by its light. You've been placed in places and spaces to be salt and light so that people can find life in who Jesus is. You are, strat you are strategically placed somewhere. And two things happen 
Look at verse 16. It says, your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works. It's important that we understand this word right here because in the Greek, you can say good two different ways. There's two different words for the word good in the Greek. One word is more of an appreciation, like this is a good chair because it holds me up, or this is a good table because it's comfortable. So this is, this is good, or that was a good experience. The other word for good is the word that's used here in the original Greek. And instead of just being kind of an appreciation, it's describing something that's beautiful, that's attractive, that's inviting. This is what happens when people see your good deeds. They see it and they see the way that you live. They see the light that you shine because of the salt that you spread out. And they see it and they think, man, that's amazing. That's beautiful. That's attractive. I want that. I desire that. Specifically in the places that you find yourself in. In the homes, in the workplaces, in the schools, in the clubs, the organizations, the kids' sports wherever you find yourself, God has you there on purpose. It's not an accident. So people will see your good deeds, but notice who they glorify. It's not you and me. It's not even community of faith. It's to glorify your father who is in heaven. See, our job is not to say, hey, look at us. Look how amazing we are. Our job is to say, hey, look at Jesus. Look how amazing he is. What does this look like for us? You know, I, uh, I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago. We had a night of worship a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night outside and a lot of the kids had glow sticks. And I was just kind of thinking about what a glow stick is and you know, like salt and light, a glow stick can lose its essential function and that is light, the glow. And so don't, don't crack these open yet. Just, just, just listen for a second because what I wanted to do is I wanna turn the lights off in this place for just a few minutes. So I'm gonna give you just a brief moment. If for some reason, like you've got to bounce, you might wanna bounce now because it's gonna get really dark here in just a second. It's not gonna be long, but I wanna I I wrap our minds around something that I think will help us remember that we were made for this, that we were created for this. And I was thinking about the glow stick. You know, what's interesting about the glow stick is nobody buys this cracks it open and then hides it. Unless you did that earlier in the service and I said something about it, you're like, oh shoot, I, lit, I already uh, broke mine. But nobody does that because you, you, light, you, you break them and you need them for a purpose. You know what else is interesting about this is I crack this and don't crack yours yet. But as I crack this, in order to glow, it has to be cracked. You know, we've lived life on this broken earth and there's times where our lives have been cracked and it's those cracks that have gotten you to where you are. You want it to get a little bit brighter, you kind of shake it up. I don't know if your life has felt a little shaken up in the last several months, but you know what? Without the cracks and the shakeups, you and I wouldn't glow. Now think about this. What is the light? The light is Jesus. You and I can't produce the light. The light is Jesus. You and I were created on purpose for a purpose to participate in being salt on the earth so that as we're salt on the earth, the light of Jesus would shine through us to give people a clear perspective over who he is, specifically in the places that you find yourself in. So here's what I want us to think about. I wanna wanna turn the lights off And I want us to consider, what does that look like for you? What does that look like? 
How does that work in your life? Think, hang on, don't, don't break them yet, don't break them yet. It's like, Wes, I can't stand it. I just, I wanna break it so bad. I'm gonna grab a microphone. I'm gonna walk out. So if I uh, land in your lap in just a second, I'm apologizing in advance. It's not intentional. But you know what's interesting is um, we can come to church like this in a place like this, but we come from all different places and spaces surrounded by people that aren't in this place today. And the places that you have influence, the places where you can be salt so that Jesus can shine through you as the light are places that I can't go to, places that I don't spend time in, but they're places where you spend time in. And God has intentionally, purposefully placed you in those spaces to be a difference maker. Here's what I wanna do to kind of illustrate this, hopefully without falling off the stage. I wanna hear from some of you, can't see, there we go. Gotta let the eyes adjust. I'm gonna put a couple of you on the spot and I hope you don't get mad at me for that. Um, If you do, I'd love to talk about it later, but um, I'm gonna stop right here. How you doing? So uh, tell me your name. Lee. Lee, um, the sweetest sound in any language is for you to hear your name. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask everybody to say hi, Lee, on three. Okay, ready, everybody? One, two, three, say hi, Lee. Okay, ready? One, two, three. All right, awesome. We're already practicing the salt and light thing. Um, that's, this is great. Uh, Lee, tell me where you work. Uh, Salyards Middle School. Awesome. Lee works at Salyards Middle School. Did you know, and I know Lee knows this because I've talked to Lee before, and I didn't prepare him for this, by the way. But Lee has a calling and a purpose in his life to be salt and light at Salyards Middle School. I can't be salt and light at Salyards Middle School. If I walked into Salyards Middle School to be salt and light, I would get arrested because I don't have security clearance. But Lee has been placed there strategically by God to be salt and light, to know these students, to know fellow teachers, not so that he feels good about himself, but because he wants them to know his God. And it's not just the calling on Lee's life, it's the calling on every single one of us in whatever space we find ourselves working in, our coworkers, their families, the people that we serve, the people we do business with. Lee, you've been called, and I know you believe that because you've talked about that, but we've all been called to that. You can go ahead and break your stick. Everybody else has to wait. Thanks for participating, Lee. I'm gonna walk up here. Everybody's nervous in the back. They're like, man, I sit back here so no one will notice me, and now the pastor guy is walking back here to talk to me. Somebody's probably crawling behind the seat right now. All right, I'm gonna walk right over here. He's like, are you serious right now? Why are you doing this to me? How you doing, sir? Tell me your name. Lee. Hi, Lee. Whoa, hang on a second. What a coincidence. Um, Lee, that is crazy. Um, Lee, how long have you been at Community of Faith? About two and a half years. All right, awesome, two and a half years. Hey, on three, I want everybody to say hi, Lee. We've already practiced it once, so this one's gonna be real good. Ready? One, two, three. Hi. Awesome. Hey, Lee, let me ask you this question. Um, what is your favorite restaurant that you prefer to eat at? Um, Luby's probably. Ooh, we're going with Luby's. I like it. I like it. Get that Luann game on. All right, so uh, Luby's. Well, Um, Here's what I want us to consider. And even for you, Lee, you have been called to be salt and light in this earth. We all have. But sometimes I think we fail to recognize some of the places and spaces we find ourselves in. And I think one of the great opportunities we have as Jesus followers is to be salt and light in the restaurants we find ourselves in. How do we do that? 
Well, we get to know their names. We get to know their stories. We begin to ask our waiters and our waitresses, how can I pray for you? How can I get to know them a little bit better? And then leave them a really big fat tip. Listen, that little invite card you have to Easter, just leave that there, but do not leave that there on the table without a fat tip, okay? If you do, put an invite card to Second Baptist, okay? Just gonna leave that there, um, just playing. Um, Lee, we've all been called to that, not just you, but I know that God has called you to that, to live on purpose. You were created for this. Thanks for uh, going with this and being a guinea pig. You can go ahead and break your stick open as well. All right, I'm gonna move over here. You know, what's interesting is when we start to have conversations with people because we care about people, they begin to ask us why, and that's when we start to say, well, because I heard this guy at church or because I know this guy named Jesus, and immediately you begin to start to feel some pushback. And people start to say things like, yeah, you know, I tried that church thing, and I'm just not really interested in that. And, and listen, I can get behind that. And I would respond with two things. I would first say, hey, you haven't experienced my church community of faith, you need to come check it out. But the other thing is this, hey, you might not be into this church thing, but you might be interested in this heavenly father who's interested in you. So oftentimes we just give up without conversation. Uh, let me go up here. This side of the room just got real nervous. All right, I'm gonna stop right here. How are you? Tell me your name. Luana. Luana, it's not Lee. Luana, all right, everybody on three, we're gonna say hi, Luana. One, two, three. Hi, Luana. Listen, um, is there anywhere other than work or family, home, and restaurants, is there anywhere that you seem to find yourself? Maybe it's a, it's a, a club, a, a group of people. Is there anywhere you frequently visit? With family. Okay, with family. So family. You know what's interesting about family is that sometimes that's the hardest place to be salt and light. And I think it's because it's so comfortable and it's so easy to just relax into it and not be intentional. We become passive and God has called us, he's called you, Luann, to, just, to uh, be that salt and light even in the home. Not just in the home, but in the streets and the neighborhoods that you find yourself in. And a simple Easter invite might be the first step, but he's called us to love, to be genuinely interested. Um, you can go ahead and break your glow stick open. Thanks for participating. She already had it broken. She was hiding it under her leg, busted. She thought I wasn't gonna notice. All right, we're gonna come right over here. I'm trying to see who, how you doing? Tell everybody your name. Jeremy. All right, you know the drill. This is the fourth time on three. One, two, three. Jeremy, what uh, do you have... Maybe a hobby, maybe, you're a, maybe you go to the gym, maybe the golf course, maybe you go fishing. Anything you do with people outside of work and family obligations? Fishing. Fishing, this is my man right here. I can get on board with that. Um, you know, I think sometimes we get into our hobbies and we get into our spaces and places where we just wanna relax, we wanna have downtime. And Jeremy, God's calling you to be salt and light even in that world. Um, with the boaters who try to steal your honey hole, um, with the people that may be on your boat or standing on the shoreline with you, God's calling you to be salt and light. And one of the ways to do that is just to be genuinely interested in them. And I know as guys, because I am one, by the way, I think we struggle with the genuinely being interested. And I'm not just saying you and me, I think all of us in this room. To legitimately look at 
another guy and just say, hey, man, I, I appreciate you. I care about you. I love you. And it not be weird. Sometimes I think we let the weird or the awkward keep us from being salt and light. But I know that God has called you to be salt and light in every place, even in your hobbies. He wants to use it as a platform so that he can be seen. So you keep being a salt and light. You can go ahead and light your light stick. He followed directions, unlike somebody else I know. All right, we're going to do one more. I heard her say, oh my gosh, here he comes. <laughs> well, this one knows that I'm coming over here because I came over here and introduced this person in the 930 service. But uh, sir, tell everybody your name. Mark. Mark, tell everybody your last name. Shook. Okay, Mark Shook. That name sounds familiar. I feel like I may know a little thing or two about you. You know what's interesting is um, sometimes in life when things don't go the way we think they're supposed to go, we begin to ask God why. We begin to say, God, I, I thought I was doing everything you called me to do. Why am I going through this the way that I'm having to go through this? And we began to kind of let our light go out. And um, I think one of the things that I just wanted to say to you, and I think everybody would agree in this room, is we appreciate that even in the struggles, even today, walking through the struggles with your knee and the frustration, the vulnerable conversations you and I have had, just what that feels like, you're committed to being salt and light. And the reality, the, the result of that are many, many people in this room who now know life in Jesus because you've shown the light bright. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for both of you in that because you both have done that well and you make a great team in doing that. And I wanted to say that to them, one, just to honor and appreciate them, but also to be an example for the rest of us because oftentimes it's in our pain and our difficulty that we want to cave and quit. But I think it's in our pain and in our difficulty that God wants to create the greatest platform to, for you to shine bright in this world, to be salt and light in this world. You can go ahead and break your stick, Mark. <laughs> Mark, you have a fan. Listen, as I think about this, it's still pretty dark in here, but there's specific people here that shining bright in the darkness. Let me ask you to do this. If you're sitting within two or three people of someone that already has their glow stick cracked, would you go ahead and crack yours? Even if they did it when they weren't supposed to, that's okay. Crack it. Crack it some more. Shake it up. Bend it if you have to. All of a sudden, it's getting a little brighter in here. Starting to see a little more clearly. Let me ask you this. If you're uh, sitting close to any of those that have their light sticks and you haven't lit yours yet, go ahead and light yours. Just hold it up on purpose, intentionally, because that's what we've been called to do. We've been called to be salt and light so that people can see more clearly who Jesus is. Do you see the difference in the room now? I couldn't hardly climb off the stage a minute ago. All of a sudden, now I can see. I would be willing to jog a lap in here and feel safe because we're shining bright. <laughs> this is what Jesus is calling us to. You can bring the lights back up. 
And I just want us to consider this. Some of you might be a little bit overwhelmed already thinking, man, I don't, I, this sounds great, but I don't even know how to do this. I don't even know where to start. Some really simple steps you can do to begin to be salt and light to shine brightly in your places, specifically where you find yourself. Maybe it's an Easter invite. Maybe, maybe you're in a place where you have decided to follow Jesus, but you've never taken that first step of being bright and that is baptism. That's what baptism is. It's you saying to the world, listen, I found Jesus, I found life and I want you to know about it. And so that's what that is. It's a celebration. So many have already registered to be baptized on Easter and it's gonna be such an incredible time. I cannot wait for Easter weekend. Maybe that's your step to be bright. Maybe for some, it's what Laura talked about a little while ago and you need to grab some of these on your way out. Notice I said these and not this because you need to own your street. It's being salt and light saying, hey, would you come join me at Community of Faith? I know church maybe isn't what you always wanted it to be, but I think it could be what you need now because you have a heavenly father who's crazy about you. You know, I was thinking about this, trying to figure out how to land this message this week. And I remember this verse in Ephesians chapter four, I'm, I'm sorry, verse chapter five, verse 14. Paul's writing and he says this, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. It's an invitation to the dead to come alive. And the reason is because there's deadness in every single one of us. We're born into that. The decay of death is slowly taking us out. And it's that deadness that motivated God to send his son Jesus to die on the cross in our place so that we could no longer be dead, but we could begin to find the light of life. This is the invitation he's calling us into. And the way that God gets us there is by using the people around you to be salt and to be light in your life so that you and I can come to life. Paul's describing this as seeing the light I see differently now. I couldn't see before. I once was lost, but now I've found, I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. I have a new perspective and I have a new life. He's rewritten my story. I'll close with this. When I was in high school, I was abruptly introduced to smelling salts. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these or had an experience with one of these, but these are used by boxers or wrestlers or football players, anybody maybe that's ever had their bell rung or kind of head was a little bit foggy. You know, if the, salt, if the salt stays inside, it's really pretty much worthless, it's useless. You might as well just throw it away because the idea is, is that this has to get out. at 9.30 and it was a little rough. <clears throat> a little practice helps. Why does this need to get out? Because it's when this gets out that it wakes people up to see things they couldn't see before. It clears their head and it gives them a new understanding. It gives them new life. This is what Jesus is calling us to do. In the places and spaces that we live, we're called to be salt, we're called to be light so that people can see Jesus. If I don't see, spill the salt, people won't see the light. And if not us, then who? And if not now, 
than win. This is what we're called for. We were made for this. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to close our time together a little bit differently. I know we do a lot of songs at the end. I know that for some, this is your opportunity to say, all right, I'm out of here. I'm gonna beat the crowd. But I'm not doing this song today so that we can simply just sit and reflect. I want this to be something that's kind of more of a unified crying out saying, we are all in this together to shine our lights. From every color, from every place in the room, we're unified together for one purpose and that purpose is Jesus. So let's stand as the band comes out and let's sing this out together as kind of our rally cry to be salt and light. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We're grateful for this time of the year where we get to spend additional time focusing on who you are and what you did on our behalf. We're grateful that you conquered death, but we're also grateful that you walked out of an empty tomb so that we could have life. And God, I know that there are so many not in this place or connected to this place or watching online that know you yet, and you've called us to be light for them. So would you use us? We'll leave the results to you, but we're gonna be faithful to what you've called us to. We simply wanna cry this out together as a song of hope, a song of faith, a song of commitment to what you have called us to step into together. In Jesus' name, amen.